Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 471, and I'm delighted today to be talking to George Mackay. Um, I was well excited about this. Uh, I, I didn't know how George would be. I've not He's not on socials. I've not seen that much, that many interviews with him, but I'm a big fan of him. And then we only went and sat down and had a, had a bloody lovely time, didn't we? It was one of the easiest conversations I've had. I, I mean, I say that a lot. That At, at this point, I guess, um, eight years into the podcast, I'm decent at conversations. So I guess a, a lot of them are fairly easy. But yeah, I'm a big fan of a lot of George's work and I was excited to talk to him about his his new film um I came by uh, and I'm so excited about that I've got the director on on Friday you got a bonus episode because the director did one of my favorite his debut film was was one it is one of my favorite films so we had a lot to talk about but um yeah uh, before we get into it how are you are you well thank you for all the I mean it's been a hell of a a few weeks with John Bradley West last week, Paddy Considine, loads of amazing people. If this is your first time tuning in, have a delve into the back catalogue because there's, I mean, as George talks about, we've had some good people on. He's 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 been a listener. I was, I was proper moved by his uh, his kind words. As ever, we're brought to you by Speech Development Records That's where you can buy merch if you can afford it. I mean, we're in a fucking a cost of living crisis man so there's more important things to be spending your money on but if there is something over there you want and you've got spare money i'd appreciate that support you can also head over to patreon.com forward slash scrubius pipio and for a dollar a month you could just throw a bit of a, a bit of support behind the podcast or head over to twitch.tv forward slash scrubius pipio and join me for all sorts of shenanigans and nonsense there. I stream there normally three times a week, and you can come and chat and be involved in it. It's good fun. Also, I want to thank everyone for all the kind words on um, my new podcast, Tell Me About It, with Stu Whiffin, particularly last week's episode, which is all about my parents' divorce, and it, it gets emotional, and I've got some really beautiful messages and kind words about this whole series so yeah if you've not tuned in go and give that a listen let's get into the podcast um i was really excited to talk to george about i came by but also about fucking everything he's done man like, like we got to talk about about a third of the amount of things i wanted to talk about but yeah it was exciting to do so hope you enjoy the episode this is episode 471 of the distraction pieces podcast Beautiful, thank you. I'm here today with George McKay. How are you? Yeah, really good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you finding all of the uh, the j- junket madness? Is your is your brain fried yet? Are you are you surviving? I don't know. I'm, I'm all good. I'm I'm surviving. I'm I'm well, thank you. Yeah, it's good to talk about it. I love to hear it. Well, I mean, I want to talk to you about so much stuff because I'm a big fan of your your whole career, basically. But I was just talking to Babak. And we only got round to talking about what you're here to talk about, about right. halfway into it. So I'm going to start with it today, because okay, it's what on. you're here to talk about. So right. let's talk a little bit about I Came By. Yeah, um, yeah. You're playing an angsty, protest-driven graffiti artist. And mate, this was 
a strange watch for me, having been exactly that in my teens. <laughs> oh, generally down to the hoodie and the piss poor attempt at a goatee. Um, how was it to find the character and to uh, to play with this one? It was it was great. I mean, I love Toby. I think because he's so um, he's so single minded in yeah. in, what he, in what he believes in, and he's so he's he's full of integrity. Really, he's kind of simultaneously full of integrity and full of bluster at the same time. And I think that's a very kind of human way of being. It's a very kind of human state. And it's just, he's a kind of more extreme version of that. But it was it was a pleasure. I mean, there's certain things which I think, like myself, I've been kind of at various stages, more kind of hardline about certain things and more single-minded and certain things have kind of like taken over my way of thinking. And it was lovely to kind of re revisit that because because I, I guess like you know there's then there's like you get older and there's a touch of Jay in there and you kind of lament not being a Toby anymore because you think yeah. that's because I mean, he's as again it comes back to integrity I think integrity is mixed with extremity some of the time and so yes. trying to trying to sort of I don't know like meet that with a healthy compromise as you go through life is um is I don't know you're always kind of railing or kind of banging up against that in yourself so it was just a pleasure and to do all of that which felt quite true with a kind of world that I didn't really know much about with all the graffiti and everything it was yeah. just a real pleasure it's yeah. what I, I mean it, it's really interesting is it because in in life in in general I think you're exactly right there there will be stuff that we have such strong beliefs in but then as you get older, you realise you have to, to balance it somewhat with the real world. Like, like, like the ways to get change sometimes are complete anger and angst, but sometimes they're not. Like sometimes that isn't the solution. So it's a really interesting a balance. And there's interesting a balance of characters in there who are at different stages of that journey as such. Totally. And I think as a, as a person as well, it's kind of an understanding of like who you are within that journey. And that's a journey within yourself as to like, okay, is this the stage of my life where I'm that person and I will transition to this other person? Or am I meant to be this person for all of like for all of my time on this earth so that the world around me, I can be that solid spike of anarchy or whatever it sort yeah. of like, because I think also that's the other thing. Toby's kind of mythologized himself a little bit to, to kind of aid sort of to give him the energy to be the way he is a little bit. And 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 that's a massive thing in the in the street art world. Yeah. Right. Because you take on a persona and a name. And then if you have any su- success with that, you then start kind of going, right, so where does Toby begin and I came by end and, yeah. and so on and so forth. It's it's one and the same. Yeah, right? totally. it's a really interesting balance. It feels like, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of obsessed with that question of identity in general as to like, are you what you put out or are you what's sort of true to you? And do you have the means to sort of put out what's true to you? And what if that keeps moving and changing as well? So, yeah. And I, yeah, in particular, as you say, like if you if you become notorious for, for being a sort of a symbol, you have a responsibility to that symbol. And even if it causes you pain, <laughs> you know. Um, and again, the the weirdness of that responsibility balanced with the an- anonymity of it like it's, it's 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 an anonymous person that you have kind of a, a responsibility to so it becomes even weirder because in reality toby could i mean as we see like i, I was i was saying to babak I, I don't want to say too much about it because yeah. there's loads of twists and turns that i wasn't expecting but quite early on we find that the two characters who are behind i came by um, as a graffiti team, are at different points in that journey themselves. W- yeah. w- one is looking to, uh, to move on. And to, to give a really quick uh, a synopsis of this starting point, I came by uh, a graffiti team who b- break into the houses of the the wealthy. They're a working class 
graffiti team who break into the houses of the wealthy and tag I came by on the wall as kind of a, a protest, a threat, an intimidation, a kind of a, to let them know that we can be wherever we want, when we want. As Yeah, it's a powerful th- thing, but the two guys behind it are at different points in their journey, and your character is very much still has that absolute responsibility and loyalty to the character of I came by as such. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, totally. That's that's what he's committed himself to. And and that's what I love about the film is through all the different characters, you kind of, I don't know, that feels just very true to life as I get older. It's like, okay, where do you commit yourself? Is it to your, is it to, without sounding too wanky, is it to your art? And like yeah. the kind of, you, as you say, and it's, but it's a lonely thing because you go, the more I give myself to that, I give myself to the sort of, you know, I, I'm, I'm not giving, I'm, I've got to be absent from home, you know, like I can't, yeah. Um, I've got to sort of tend to that rather than myself or those around me. And that's, that's ultimately a bit of a, it's, I don't know if that's the right way to be on a personal level. I don't, I don't know if it's right or if it's wrong. It's, it's, it's individuals, each individual's choice. And I think, um, yeah, Babak is sort of in the script that he's written with Namzi Khan. It's just, it explores that so fairly because you've got all the characters to be the different facets of what's probably, I imagine, a lot of what Babak's kind of similarly... I must admit, I'm a massive fan of your music and of this oh, podcast. Mate. Oh, thank and, you very much. I appreciate I was, that. I was listening to an episode the other day and I thought I was really kind of, inter- like, couldn't wait to talk to you because one of the things, I think it was on the episode with Stephen Fry, you were you were talking about kind of transitioning into a way of thinking about sort of being so politicised and then actually thinking, tending to your own circle a little bit more and, yeah. to, and to yourself just kind of yeah. going, I will, I will be true to that and that will reverberate. And it's felt so much of like, it just sounded akin to a lot of the things that Babak said about as a young man, he was so Toby, but then the older he gets, you kind of go, oh fuck, there's, there's things that you need to, there's a different balance, but only you will know that balance. And it's difficult kind of, to but, be okay with that when the rest of you, like when so, supposedly so many other people have known I came by or known that sort of what you've given out. Yeah. So, it's one of the things I loved about the characters in this film is it is a journey, but it's the fucking circle line, mate. <laughs> if if you don't get off, then you're coming back round. Everyone kind of becomes a toe, or a lot of the characters, Kelly's character, and yeah. there go to a point where they are obsessing again, and it's this, it's this thing. So that's what I found really interesting. It wasn't just simply here's the one that's obsessed and has that youth phalanx. Here's the one that's more grown up. Here's the one that's a parent now, albeit a young parent. Yeah. It's like no, that's where we start. Yeah, everyone on that is going on different journeys, and Toby goes on different journeys on what he should and shouldn't do in this in this thing, and tries to walk away and all all sorts of things there. So, yeah, it's really interesting in in that way. You you, you mentioned the the battle over is the work you put out who you are is what the public see a reflection of you is that important? You're not really on social media, right? Is that is that a conscious choice as 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 part of that to kind of go right? I don't want to obsess over presenting something to the public constantly. I'd rather focus on the art of it and away from the art and my real life. Have the art there and my real life there, and not have this thing that because it's something. As you were saying that, it's made me realise it is where it blends the two for me. Yeah. I do try to keep my work there and my private and family life there, but social media is the constant and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a character it's not you know it's i'm i'm not posting of my day to day but you know it's it is even if you try and be as true as possible you're going to be curating it in some way so yeah yeah totally. what's your kind of thoughts on social media i guess and I, I guess it's to be honest i just kind of i just missed the boat on it and didn't kind of wasn't curious enough in it to then up on the boat 
kind of thing. I, I remember when I had Facebook at school and then I kind of just stopped using it. So got rid of it. And then I remember when my friend came around and showed me his Twitter account and was like, he said, actually it was a Stephen Fry there. I was like, so what is it? And he's like, well, basically it's just a Facebook status, but then you can read everyone else's Facebook status. And I was like, ah, that's it. He's like, yeah, but you can read like Stephen Fry's like, yeah. Facebook status. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, cool. And I just, and, but then I just never got, never got on it. And then I remember suddenly, you know, it's, it's quoted in the news and it's, it's the way that kind of business is, is done in so many aspects of the world. And I, and so I don't know, I, I kind of just, but I've been happy just not to be on it. And it's, it's not a massive kind of stance necessarily. It's just suited me. Yeah. I like to kind of, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on sort of meaning to be on a sort of any sort of high horse, but I just kind of like being in kind of in whatever I'm doing. And and I just, I'm just not on my phone that much. And it always just stresses me out, even if I do lots of emails or texts and things like that. So I've just kind of, I've just never really had a, any kind of interest in going on it. And it's, it's sort of served well just having time to do other stuff and because I think I would get wrapped up in it a little bit yeah as well. that's what I was going to say I think conscious choice or otherwise I think you're in the right place because as soon as you are part of it it's genuinely hard to walk away from and and to, to get off of and it can become that kind of a constant there I guess but um yeah it's an interesting world but going back to the character of Toby again one of the things I, I liked was it felt like you had to go quite big with him yeah. like performance wise because it is it's that period as we've touched upon it's that period in life where you are so focused and driven but you don't necessarily have the full comprehension of the subjects like you know that you're yeah 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 fuck the man fuck the system but you don't necessarily know why or what the full system is and that needs to be quite big and quite Teen, obviously, he's not a teenager. He's, he's 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 just past his teens, but it needs to be quite teenage in that in that yeah. respect. So, how was that to to decide kind of how how big to go? Oh, that, that was just a that was just a joy. I mean, it just kind of it just felt right to be honest for all of those reasons, as you say. Yeah. He's kind of like he's trying to get his message across all of the time, and he's like he's on his soapbox a little bit and 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 enjoying it and swaggering in it, and it's also fun to. To do and like and also then I guess in terms of like it wasn't so much of a sort of conscious choice but I think I've always been drawn to and marvelled at big performances like I think the before I was someone asked me a question a little while ago about oh, which actors do you admire and it's let it's I kind of I can't I find it very difficult to answer for like a singular like actors it's more just singular performances. And most of those performances have been pretty big when you think yeah. about it. And I, mean, I did an audition for something a little while ago and the directors, it was a completely different project, but the director referenced, he was like, it's kind of like a, a Paul Thomas Anderson performance. So there's always one massive performance in Paul Thomas Anderson films. Yeah. And I kind of thought, I was like, yeah, actually Joaquin Phoenix in The Master, like he's swinging big. Yeah. And like, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis, there will be blood. Like that's big. And like, yeah. I mean, even Daniel Day-Lewis, like in the, um, you know, Gangs of New York, which of course Scorsese, but that's a, that's a big choice. It's yeah. like, it's completely nuanced and it's completely truthful, but it's big. It's bigger than life. Or life it's committed is- as well, isn't it? The, yeah. That's the thing with those big performances. It's a weird one because I completely feel you on the big performances, but for me as well, it's often, and this is going to sound so dumb, but a weird voice. Cho- choosing to do a weird voice and committing to it and making it not seem weird. Like, yeah. Tom Hardy, yeah. Christian Bale, all of these have done these amazing roles where it's like... Harry Oldman, oh, Yeah, 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 100%. It's like, you know, it's all to aspire to, but I know particularly in early days of, of self-tapes and castings, it's like, I wouldn't have gone in there doing the voice <laughs> that Tom Hardy did in the take where or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Um, or in Chopper. Like, like all, all yeah, these, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Like, like this is totally. like, these are stupid, but 
they're so dedicated and they believe it. And I was talking to Tom Davis about it recently, actually, because the reality is we've all met people who in real life are that, have got that, that unique and big, are so over the top. So yeah. it's like, well, right, we'll just commit to that then. And it's, as I said, that's the thing that gets me. It's not necessarily purely they're doing a big performance. Anyone can do a big, big, big performance, I guess, but it's that absolute commitment and belief in it that just yeah. shines through, through the screen. It doesn't feel like it's someone going, oh, look at me with my big, yeah. my big yeah. speech. It's like, it's no, big. that speech has to be that big. He's got no control over that, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's backed up with all the nuance and the texture and the understanding and the, and the, and the, the kind of lived-in quality and the knowing of, of whoever's doing it. But, yeah, I mean, that's real life is big. Like, sort of yeah. normal life is massive, and it's massive yeah. to us. And, yeah, I, th- I think people are kind of much bigger than you give credit for a lot of the time and if anything with film often you're aware of the closeness with which you're being observed and it makes you play down so I, I think I loved you know as a kid going to see certain theatre shows and the kind of like seeing a, a live performance like that and seeing someone or even dancers when they do something like and you're kind of watching the human body do something a little bit extra it's amazing or you watch gymnastics I, like the, I was watching the Commonwealth Games and like oh my god the body can do so much more than we usually do with it yeah. So, and that's why Toby, you know, because he's, there's, there's room for that legitimately in Toby. Sometimes it's out of place to be like that. And then other times Toby kind of, he asks for it a little bit. So um, you, it, was, it was good fun. Again, as if, if you have heard before, you know, I'll go off on some weird tangents, but you, you mentioned the body there and you keep in decent sh- sh- shape, mate. And in this you're in, in, in really good shape. And one of the books, I can't remember which book is like when I was first moving into acting because I didn't, go to drama school and I was burying myself in in recommended reading as such mm. and one of the things I really liked which I hadn't considered I can't remember who was saying it but it's they were saying it's an actor's responsibility to keep their body at a point that it can do everything that the character might require and you can ch- change the body and such but it really gave me a, a second wind on fitness and stuff like that of going right yeah. I want to be as fl- flexible as possible as 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 malleable as possible yeah in case the character requires that you know it's you want to remove as many restrictions as possible right like i can't play a short bloke (laughs) it's not possible i'm six foot four that's out of my control but all the things that aren't out of your control it feels like it should maybe be your if if you're that kind of actor it should be your responsibility to to keep control on them so is that something that is on your mind and in your mind. It, as I said, it came to mind because you were mentioning watching gymnasts and performers and all these other things yeah. going, right, I want as many tools available to me as possible. Yeah, totally, totally. I think it's um, there's so much that can be done. I mean, that's like, it's like costume and makeup is essential. And if you can do that with your own, not just your body, like, you know, what shape you're in, but the way you hold yourself. And, yeah. and also, it, like, it takes say you're playing a character who's kind of like, you know, his shoulders up one side or something like that, or he's kind of is, is stooped over or whatever choice you've made or, or the, or the performance requires. It also takes a level of kind of well-being to sustain that for yeah. 12 yeah. weeks or however long it is or practice. And I think I've always marveled at dancers as well and what they can do and how much story can be told just physically. And then, and then as you say, yeah, to be at a kind of a kind of a neutral point where you can jump off in any direction and, and, and a couple of roles. I mean, I, I think it's, it's also genuinely a delicate subject because of the, the sort of unhealthy aspects of control that can come into yeah. changing your body. But I, I do think there is some sort of truth when necessary 
if, it, if it's to an extreme, like I've had a couple of jobs where the director's asked me to change my, my body for it. And it does, whether you go up or down in size, it does root you to that character in a way that is unequivocal. Um, 100%. And, and it changes you. And I don't think it's something that can be done. I've made the mistake of then trying to do that with every role unnecessarily. And it takes away from the what's actually required of the role because yeah. you're trying to do this thing, which is a satisfying feeling for myself, which is ultimately unhealthy. Yeah. But when it has been necessary and I have followed through with it, it has really kind of tied me to those characters. It's interesting what ties you, isn't it? I know, again, when I was first m- moving into acting, every character I wanted to try, I wanted, even if I was just working on stuff, st- stuff myself none of them had my accent and I realized that that was partly an insecurity because it's like no I need to be acting yeah I need yeah, to yeah. be th- 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 that character and that's someone particularly if I'm just working on st- stuff at home that's how at my level at that point that's how I can transform mm-hmm. and again then w- w- with time you become more comfortable with as you noted all the nuances that that huge performances on film and tv can be in there in th- mm. theater as you touched upon a lot of the audience can't pick up on all the nuances because of the distance, but the beauty of film and TV is it's right there. So it can be these tiny micro movements and that. But yeah, 100% that early instinct was, I want something to root me into I'm not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not just being me, but saying their words. Yeah, and yeah, I can yeah. completely see that with transformations, with all these other things to go, right, this is when I'm that character. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's sort of like I don't know. I, I don't know if you found it with, like, with your work, like that. It moves and changes. Like sometimes there's a real, real joy in like, wow, this is completely different. Yeah. So I'm going to completely not be me. And then other ones, there's a real sort of satisfaction in like, I know this guy. Like yeah. he talks like I do. He thinks like I do. It's just in a different point in history or whatever it is. Like, and then and then taking that on and then kind of going, oh, that felt good. So the next time you have to do something way outside of yourself, secretly you know that it's actually much more inside of yourself yeah, uh, or vice versa or things that appear to be, you know, very close to you actually is the time where you're going, I don't know that this, this doesn't feel like me at all. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I've hundred percent had that where like, yeah, c- connected far more with characters that are so different from me, but I can find that one thing. It's like, no, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. yeah. If it's just surface level, it's you. They're from where you grew up. They're this, that. It's like, no, I've got no, I've I've not got a connection to this. It's weird. But speaking of growing up then, what kind of kid were you? What kind of upbringing? You grew up in London, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what was your, what were you into? Were you always into a TV film? Were both your parents in the industry in one way or another? They they started out, they did different jobs. Before I was born, my mum was a a costume designer Mm -hmm. and costume supervisor. Uh, And, but she actually, I think that's why I, I really love like dancers because she used to work a lot in the ballet and so she showed us quite a lot of dance growing up um, with my sister and then my dad worked as a stage manager in Mm theatre so again on the kind of technical backstage side of things but they both had a real appreciation for like for theatre and arts and things like that and then they yeah my dad sort of did a work for a design company for a good while when I was growing up and my mum was like a full-time mum for for a lot of um, me and my sisters being being raised. I don't know. I was into all sorts, really. I was I was very lucky with. I got my first job, acting job, sort of just by chance when I was ten. Uh, and it, Peter Pan was that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a kind of like beautifully like massive, strange, wonderful, yeah, fun experience. Where like as a ten year old, you know, you're messing around and swinging from trees and kind of 
doing all the stuff that the ten-year-old does. To be does. a lost boy, mate. And then, and then you get lost boy, that's, that's, on a pirate ship. Yeah, like yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's the dream, surely. So it was, it was one of those where like it was an absolute dream, and we had such fun, and it all kind of so many like kind of lovely things happened. Like uh, we had a family friend who was an actor who got me in touch with their agent, and she very kindly took me on. And there were loads of sort of things that happened by chance where I don't think there were any other children on her books. It was an adult agency, and yeah. so I kind of got put up for more ch- the children role in ch- children roles in adult projects, and so the work that I got to do was kind of more few and far between, but it was always around adults in sort of adult productions most of the time. Um, Which I think kind of unconsciously did a lot of learning because I was working with actors who've been doing it for a long, long time or, and just the nature of the jobs were a little bit, not more serious, but just like, yeah, they were, they were sort of more adult films basically. But I, but I loved all sorts. I loved school uh, when I was growing up and I loved sports as well. Like lots, never particularly good at one one sport, but just loved being active and, and sport. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just it's really lo- lovely mates at school and all kind of quite normal, just but, but then just kind of peppered with these wonderful experiences where I kind of got to learn without the pressure of it being like a, a job. You just duck yeah. in and have a job and have an experience and sort of learn by osmosis and then duck out again and go back to school. And it was towards the end of school that I, I, when I was sort of thinking, right, everyone was doing university and making choices that I thought I really would love to do this full time. And I auditioned for two drama schools and didn't get in and then got lucky that summer after was my first kind of busy summer. And the feeling of, I mean, I was only 19, but when you're 19, you feel like an adult and feeling like responsible for your work and just simply being there more often and being there on my own felt really good. And I just wanted to sort of just turn my eyes and ears onto like, I've got to learn as much as I can while I'm here and being really lucky to kind of work from then. It's an amazing, you spoke of learning by osmosis and kind of learning on the job almost. And Mm. it's astounding how much you you can learn on the job if you are going to have your eyes and ears. Again, that's been my whole, I've I've, I've done a few classes now with amazing people. I was lucky to have some great recommendations, but the bulk of my learning has been on set and watching these amazing actors and Mm. directors and crews and everything else. When I'm there in a small role, kind of, as I mean, but going, yeah, but it's got me in the fucking door. I, I get to now learn from in this astounding environment. How how much has that been part of your like the the thought of getting to do that from ten or eleven? Yes, yeah. you know, it's mind blowing. That must have been amazing, right? To just learn from it's been, it was, it's it been, really happening. You know? Yeah, it's just kind of watching. But also I think it, it almost like getting to stuff in hindsight. I remember doing a, a job when I was 15 and, and uh, one of the actors was jumping up and down on the spot before they kind of came in and just doing like squat jump, squat jump, squat jump, squat jump. And then they run in and do the scene. And I remember as a 15 year old kind of finding it kind of funny, to be honest, and being like, yeah. why, why they were jumping around before takes. And very simply, when I watched the film, I was like, oh, the scene before, which obviously I haven't seen because we're filming out of order, you've just been in a fight and run here. So of yeah. course you need to be physically out of breath and your blood's pumping and you're kind of on edge and like, and just really simple physical things have been like, oh, that's what you were doing. I just thought yeah. you were jumping around. And like, uh, and trying different stuff and watching, you know, actors do an accent the whole time and sort of be apologizing for it and saying, look, sorry, I don't mean to be kind of difficult. I'm just doing this because it helps me. And I'm yeah. watching someone do something that I would have been embarrassed to do had I not seen that person do it and kind of go, oh no, they're just respecting the work. They're just respecting themselves and they're not trading on anyone's toes and how they're doing it. So I'll give it a go and see how it feels. And then you go, okay, that really suited me. I'm going to do that again next time. Or no, that wasn't for me, that one. And just kind of watching people 
older than you and <laughs> braver than you and more experienced than you, just try stuff as well as then simultaneously having projects where you're surrounded by your peers and you're all sort of like looking at each other to be a bit like, okay, we're completely like mutual here on experience level. Oh, cool. But they're going to try something. They've just, they've just thrown in a line. They're improvising and we're both 18. So I'll, I'll try something as well. Like, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's all been that bravery, isn't it? I think the, the yeah. bravery line is the, is the perfect bit there. Cause there's so many things that I've looked at. I thought, Exactly as you were saying, as someone doing push-ups or squats or running on the spot before a take, it's like, no, I'd feel like a prick. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't matter how you feel. It's not about you feeling like a prick. It's about what happens in that moment that's captured. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the only important bit. And as I said, doing an accent the, the, the whole time again, my initial thought would be, I'd feel so pretentious. Like, yeah. Who gives a fuck how you feel? Yeah, it's going to yeah. be better. Like, Forget yeah, yeah, that yeah. and go off their bravery. I'll, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's kind of, and, and also like being at an age where like, I think just not having the pressure when I was kind of being lucky enough to do bits and bobs as a kid, you're not worrying about bills. You're not yeah. worrying about yeah. a career. You're not as worried about what people think. So you just kind of, it was a very sort of, without realizing how lucky I was not to be concerned with that stuff, you get all of that experience without being concerned about all of that stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah so that was, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, especially in hindsight as well. I love it. I love it. This is going to sound like a weird leap, but when you were saying your your mum working in costume and exposing mm. you to a lot of of, of ballet and, and dance stuff, your dad st- stage managing, it must have been amazing for you and for them to see how 1917 turned out. And And, and, and the reason that comes to mind is it was such an ensemble project like everyone has to be on point it's 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 not in so many films you can easily forget everyone that's not on camera but on a project like that it's so much everyone is intrinsic to 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 pull in that off so it comes to mind as having parents who've grown up in that world like theater is that world where you can't really fuck up you're doing it the the crowd's there yeah and 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 the one take perception of of that film just screams that right yeah totally it's like it was the most mutual experience i've ever had on a project yeah. it was so wonderful because of that because it just gives a respect for every de- a mutual respect for every department because everyone's yeah. got to be working together and that yeah that comes back to like you know like my parents i think being aware appreciating other members of my dad like loving lighting and kind of seeing like how a light yeah. put and then also respecting when an actor's remember like has turned up and they know their lines so they don't have to replot the lines because the actors kind of actually doesn't know what they're doing and so trying to fudge it a little bit and they move into another direction which is away from when my dad's really thought through where to put that light or whatever it is like yeah. a kind of a respect for the work that has come before and that is all happening simultaneously it just felt so good and and was a real kind of lesson and in, in sort of how good that can feel because i think the other thing is sometimes you know, that you kind of mythologize when, I don't know, maybe with that thing a little bit, like when you're, you know, when someone is in the acting and that means they're unaware of everything else. Mm-hmm. But the fact that like part of the acting was a little bit, I, actually I listened to the Fassbender episode of, of yeah. your podcast as well. And he was saying about that mutual dance a little bit as to like, yeah. uh, what he said was quite interesting about, I'm just going to, I'm going to give you a tiny movement before I take off. So, you know, so we're both in tune. Yeah. And it was so much of that is that like in 1917, you'd, you'd feel the camera come around and it was almost like 
it was like dancing or even like when you watch football and you see, you can see the triangles open up when they highlight it in um, yeah, 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 and you yeah, can yeah. see that that run over there has pulled that direct, that defender that way and that's opened up the space for the midfielder to come through which sent the ball into the cross which landing at the right point it was all of that kind of that coming together was just so so beautiful and so satisfying and yeah, and, and and nothing could work unless all things were on point. And that also gave an understanding that it doesn't always work out. Like sometimes if I fluff a line, that was the take when the camera was perfect or when someone trips up and, you know, a ladder falls over in the trench. That was all the line that was, that was the take that was feeling really good on our end. And you just kind of go, hey, things happen. But we're all, it was all just about the goal of the shot and the film. No one else's ego, basically. How, how, how was the, the pressure of, of that then it sounds as if you got it completely right in the end, but was that the case from the start? Because again, the pressure of getting it right when the camera's in the right place, and it's a huge undertaking of a film. Sam Mendes is one of the greats, and again, it's shot in a mad way that that puts a lot of pressure on on you on camera in that that, that moment. So yeah, how was that pressure wise? I guess it wasn't too bad in this. Of course, there was at certain moments, but like for some of those really big sequences. But to be honest, we built it incrementally as a crew. You know, we rehearsed for four months because because there's no because there's no edit. Well, there is, of course, it's actually Lee Smith and the editor was doing amazing work. But of course, yeah. like essentially you can't you can't extend or draw or chop up a pause in the way that you can conventionally. Yeah. So the emotional rhythm, like a play, had to be set before. And because everything was on the move, that meant that the emotional rhythm of a scene dictated the length of a trench or the space between a house and a tree. So yeah. everything down to was kind of was forensically kind of plotted out. And because we did that from day one, almost all the crew turning up to an empty field that would eventually become no man's land. And we all we were scripts in hands doing it for a first time. And the art department were there putting flags in the ground to where the edges were. And then the next week we'd do the rest of you know, rehearse other scenes and then we'd come back and we'd know our lines better and that there would be a little bit of the trench built. And we just kind of built it up and up and up. So the pressure was never like, you know, we've rehearsed it separately. Now it's on. It yeah. just kind of grew and grew and grew and grew uh, sort of constantly and without, without you realizing it, you know? Yeah. It was, it was a magic experience. It was in, really. In, in, in your general prep for a project, do you have a cutoff point? Because again, it feels like a film like that. You need to have a point where you're like, right, I've done the work. Now I need to just be the character. I can't do any more work. I have to be the character now. And again, it's something I've 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 found in recent as I've started to get bigger roles. There's been points where I'm like, right, I could dig and dig and dig into this for as long as they give me. But at some point, I need to go. No, now I'm the character. Yeah, yes. let's let's get into it. Totally. Like, and I think that moves and changes with how much time you have. Like, you get some jobs where there's nothing on beforehand, and you've got loads of time, so you are the your boss, your own boss as to when you draw that line. Or sometimes, you know, you're kind of you're 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 scrabbling as as you go because it's everything's moved really quickly or something's changed, and you know, you're just kind of doing it up until you walk on. But I think it's all practice, and it's just about choosing. I find it difficult to stop practicing i just sort of change the it's almost like like it feels like sport is an analogy it's like you get you practice passing and that's learning your lines you pass and you, yeah, pass, yeah, you yeah. pass you pass i can't can't pass anymore but because i've been learning my lines because i've been passing i'm out of fitness because i haven't been running as much so yeah. now i'm going to do the now i'm going to do some sprints because yeah, that's yeah. The, that which is character backstory and then next time you come back to do passing you're moving quicker because you go that line i now understand it differently because i've done backstory and now i've done backstory 
Ashley, but physically, I feel like I've been sat down for two weeks. So this guy needs to be stronger. He's intimidating. So I, I need to hit the gym and do that. So it's just kind of like, I find I just switch between different types of prep. I always like to be doing something. Um, and even in a sense, even resting is kind of active as well. I'm like, this yeah. is the time I'm going to down tools now. I'm going to actively down tools and not think about it. Because that's, of course, when something bubbles up and you go, okay, cool. I needed to step away. So yeah, your conscious is down in tools. You can't you can't make your subconscious down tools. So it will still throw things up. And yeah, and, yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I kind of think like for better or for worse, I quite like to always be doing something. Um, but maybe that's just also just a little bit controlling to tell myself I'm doing something even if I'm doing nothing. I don't know. I love it. Well, as said, there's tons I want to talk about, and we're not going to have time for all of it. I normally at the end ask what's ahead. But I'm going to get into that now. And then if we've got time, I want to come back to Sunshine on Leaf, to Pride, to to to, to Munich, to all these things. But what is ahead? I, I know you've got a few things kind of locked in and announced and stuff. But yeah, what's the plan going forward? So I've, ju- I've just finished a project in London, which is a really wonderful script. Uh, and it's a film called Femme. Um, and that's Based off the short, uh, yeah, yeah, Papa Sayadu did right. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Papa and Harrison did. Yes, uh, which is which is brilliant, and it's a kind of uh, that it's it's a film born out of that short, and it's Sam and Ping who wrote and directed that, and and yeah. actual films, and I've ju- I literally just finished that. And that was a really, really exciting character. And forgive me, I don't know how, sort of how much I can say because it's no, all just done. Yeah, I mean, oh. we. I can say that that short was astounding and won numerous awards, and then yeah, those two. Sam and Ping are, yeah, it's ex- exciting. As soon as I, I did, it was only when I was prepping for this that I saw it, it listed on IMDb and I was like, oh shit, I didn't know they were doing yeah, a feature that's born out of that. It's it's quite different, you know, like for anyone who's seen the short and anyone who hasn't, I really recommend it. It's um, it's sort of very different in the way that the story goes and they're sort of, the characters are obviously seeded in the sort of, the learning that came from from the amazing performances of like Papa and, and Harrison and what Sam and Ping wrote. But it's kind of like, I know it's a bit of like a throw out line, but it is very much its own thing. You know, it's sort of, of exploring performance in identity. Like again, sort of what we've talked about really of yeah. two men who are putting a certain thing out into the world and yeah, and the sort of their relationship with the truth of that. So there's that. And then I'm just about to start filming um, a film called La Bette, um, which right. is a French film. I've written and directed by Bertrand Bonello, which I'm really excited to start. Um, but I'm yet to start that. So I, I kind of don't, there's not too much to say just yet because yeah. I, I don't want to jinx anything, you know? Well, I mean, you mentioned working on a French film next. How was Munich, Edge of War, to work on? Because that jumped languages. And I thought, I'm, I, I tuned in partly because I said I'm a fan of your work, but I'm a big fan of Babylon Berlin as well. Right. I think yeah, it's yeah, yeah. absolutely, I, it's my favourite TV show of all time. I think it's oh, wow. and it was perfect. Lived. Yeah, you know. It lives just, yeah, a, a, amazing in that. So, But the friendship that you guys p- put forward on screen was so g- g- genuine and it, it just felt so real. It was with... Was it Yanis as well? Yanis, the... Yeah, Yanis Nivona, yeah. Um, how how was that to kind of find a friendship story in such a big, heavy kind of it's a war, a war era, war based film? Yeah, yeah I, I think a big part of it was just I mean, Yanis is just like the nicest man ever, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we kind of we were I was sort of working on something up until quite soon before the start of shooting, so we had quite a limited time. I jumped over for some rehearsals. And then the guys started shooting on the sort of German side of the story. And then I joined. And to be honest, it was um, 
it was a lot to do with the conversations we had within that week. And I think Yanis is just one, just like the loveliest human. But I think because we sort of bonded in the experience of work, I think we kind of were hungry to work in the same way. I think we shared the kind of similar reverence for certain projects and a way of trying different stuff when we were working. So I felt very safe with him. And also stuff like speaking in another language, which I don't know, and him being a native speaker of that, you know, you feel you were quite vulnerable and he was very giving in, in sort of, in helping me with that language as well. So, and Liv as well, to be honest, like they were so considerate of when we were in the rehearsals of Rumor would be speaking in German and Liv would suddenly go, sorry, we're just talking about this and translate everything for me. Yeah. So it was, I think it's just the warmth of, of Yanis and Liv really in, in building those friendships. And, and also like, you know, just really simple stuff. Like I kind of turned up there and I know what it's like a little bit to kind of go to a foreign city, haven't been away and you know, wonderfully you travel a lot with work. And, and, but to have a local kind of take you in and say, no, come around to mine for dinner. Let's sit, let's have some food. Let's kind of break bread. Let's talk. It was just, again, it was time spent really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so we just kind of threw ourselves at it and it, that kind of made, made the friendship happen quite quickly. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm going to end on quickly talking about sunshine on leaf because <laughs> i thought it was amazing i think i've i've rambled on about it a load but but i, th- I genuinely think the proclaimers are one of the most underrated bands yeah. um, all we know is 500 miles and and their glasses essentially yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's such a back catalog there so how was that to, to, to jump into do you have a background in musicals and singing and stuff like that or what was no yeah. that, that was the thing that was another thing that like which quite funny, like Dexter was amazing with that. Dexter, the yeah. director, like because we were all I've quite chewed his, I've chewed his or air off about it previously. Oh man, so, like, yeah. well, you know, like Dex is just like Dex is just the best, and he's so yeah. kind of enthusiastic, and that enthusiasm is infectious. Because I think we were all quite um, self conscious that we were doing a musical. Like we were sort yeah. of, yeah, but it's like it's a film we're singing. And, you know, it's a calm coming. enthusiasm, though, right? It's a relaxed enthusiasm. Like he's yeah. hyped, but it's like this is all alright. This is like yeah, all, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not stress. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, like. I don't know. It was great. We just sort of, again, I, I don't really know how else to put it. We just sort of threw ourselves at it and it was such a lovely, lovely bunch. And, and Dex just kind of led us with um, this safe enthusiasm. Um, yeah. And and the fact that singing, I think all of us could hold a tune enough to be able to get the roles, but we're not necessarily singers beforehand. Yeah. Um, so there was, again, doing something that everyone was a bit scared of was a kind of really healthy way into, into yeah. kind of getting to know everyone well, you know? Yeah. Um, so so yeah, it was it was a joy. It was a real joy. How was it to to get asked about that? But because I love it when you hear from an agent, it's like like how's she singing? Yeah, so it was you kind of like well, I, I can carry a tune, but how far do you need it carried? Kind of thing. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was. Um, <laughs> it was like you know, it was the first thing was like you know, it's a proclaimers music. It was like, do you know the proclaimers? And you sort of go, you know, yeah, well, I know five hundred miles. Like, exactly. You know, but then you listen to that. But what I loved about them is they've got incredible voices and their yeah. harmonies are amazing. But it's like it's like pub harmonies. It's what quite... got me into them was I stumbled into them at, at South by South West one year and I was just like, oh, it's the Proclaimers, it'll be a laugh. And I yeah, was yeah, just yeah. blown away by exactly that, their voices, their harmonies, and and then just their song, songwriting. It was, yeah, amazing. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, I remember we had to audition with Sunshine on Leaf mm. and I took my guitar in and sort of did it a sort of like slightly safer version, but kind of, you know, just sort of went at it a little bit. And um, yeah, it was, it was just really, it was, I remember sort of, sort of that la 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 the, the kind of big instrumental bit. Yeah. Instead of yeah. Like, yeah. Because it's quite a slow song. So it doesn't, yeah. there's not too much, when you're singing it on your own, you know, that's quite a slow build. There's not like a kind of sort of crazy quick melody or something to keep you safe in. 
So yeah, it was just good. But I just remember Dex being so supportive always. And that's it. You know, he just led us through it, basically. I, lo- I love it. Well, I'm going to r- wrap things up there, man. I appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. As I said, I'm a big fan. So, uh, no, likewise, yeah. I, I was I, honestly, man, it's so exciting to talk to you. I'm, I'm a massive fan of of, of your music. Um, oh, thank you very and, much. And I've listened to, to 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 a good few episodes of this this podcast. And yeah, it's a real pleasure to speak to you. It's been great, man. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Yeah, and you take care, man. Bye bye. <laughs> thank you. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. How lovely was George? As you could tell, I could have talked to uh, to that dude for hours on end. So um, I really appreciate him taking the time. And if you haven't had enough, I've got the director of I Came By, a Netflix movie, on Friday for a bonus episode, Babak Anvari, um, who also did a film called Under the Shadows, which is one of my favourite horrors. It's amazing. So, yeah, I was excited to speak to him too. So I'll keep this outro brief, and I'll see you on Friday. Oh, 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 yeah, I mean, of course. Also, please, if you've not listened to it, go and listen to to Tell Me About It with Scroobius Pip and Stu Whiffin, my new podcast, as mentioned. But, yeah. I'll see you on Friday. You've probably got more than enough podcasts, but until then, stay safe and stay sane.